0: And welcome to the Red Team podcast with me, Colin Talbot, talking about government, public policies and public services. This episode is about Partygate, as it's become known, the series of events that took place in 10 Downing Street, the gardens of 10 Downing Street and the Cabinet Office, while the rest of us were all in COVID lockdowns. And the question I'm going to try and answer is, how can Boris Johnson be held to account for these events? The answer is, not very easily. There are two sets of questions about these events. The first, most obvious, is did they happen? Did they break the Covid regulations? And what should be the political and legal consequences of that? And the second is, did Boris Johnson and possibly other members of his government mislead the House of Commons about them? It's pretty clear now that at least 12 of them did happen, and at least two of them have been found by the Metropolitan Police to have broken the COVID regulations. And over 50 fixed penalty notices have been issued, including to the Prime Minister and the Chancellor of the Exchequer. So who or how can Boris Johnson and other members of his government be held to account for this? Well, there's a confusing plethora of codes, conventions, the House of Commons, committees of the House of Commons, and advisers, who might have a role to play in this, and of course the Metropolitan Police. But let's start first with something that's been bandied about a lot, the Ministerial Code. Section 1.3 of the Ministerial Code says, The Ministerial Code should be read against the background of the overarching duty on ministers to comply with the law. And Section 1.3c states, It is of paramount importance that Ministers give accurate and truthful information to Parliament, correcting any inadvertent error at the earliest opportunity. Ministers who knowingly mislead Parliament will be expected to offer their resignation to the Prime Minister. The first and most important thing to understand about the Ministerial Code is that it is owned by the Prime Minister and nobody else. New Prime Ministers usually promulgate their own version of the ministerial code when they take office, and Boris Johnson was no exception. But, and this is really important, it is only the Prime Minister who can finally decide, firstly, whether or not he or she accepts that somebody's broken the ministerial code, and decide what the consequences are for doing so. There's one caveat to this, which is In recent years, we've had a Prime Minister's advisor who can advise the Prime Minister on whether or not a minister has broken the ministerial code. This advisor was, until 2020, Sir Alex Allen, who was asked by Boris Johnson to investigate whether or not Priti Patel had broken the ministerial code by bullying staff in the Home Office. He concluded that... Patel had indeed bullied staff inside the Home Office and she should resign as a result. Boris Johnson however, the final arbiter of the Ministerial Code, decided she hadn't really bullied anybody, certainly not intentionally, and she shouldn't resign. So as a result it was Sir Alex Allen who resigned. Sir Alex was replaced by Lord Guyte. But Lord Guyte can only investigate breaches of the Ministerial Code if asked to do so by the Prime Minister. And of course the Prime Minister has not asked him to investigate whether or not Boris Johnson has breached the Ministerial Code over the gatherings in Downing Street. So there seems to be zero chance that any action will be taken under the terms of the Ministerial Code because Boris Johnson decides whether or not it should. So what, if anything, could Parliament do about it? Well, there's a series of mechanisms that could be employed. There's an MP's Code of Conduct. There's the Standing Orders of the House of Commons. There's Erskine May, which is the informal guidance to procedures of the House. There's a Standards Committee and a Standards Commissioner. And there's a Privileges Committee. And of course, the House of Commons itself can decide on some issues. Let's take those in turn. Firstly, the MPs Code of Conduct says absolutely nothing about MPs lying to the House, or for that matter, whether or not breaking the law on something as important as the COVID regulations would be a resigning offence. The standing orders of the House of Commons are not helpful either. They are silent on issues about MPs misleading the House, as is Erskine May, the so-called Bible of parliamentary procedure. So what about the Standards Committee and the Standards Commissioner? Well, the Standards Committee is really focused on things like financial propriety and whether or not MPs have acted as paid lobbyists, and that's the sort of thing that the Standards Commissioner investigates if asked to. The chair of the Standards Committee, Labour MP Chris Bryant, has made it clear that he doesn't think this issue is one for them. So the only committee that could look at this really in the House of Commons is the Privileges Committee. But the only mechanism for the Privileges Committee looking at it is that there has to be a vote of a majority in the House of Commons to refer the issue to the Privileges Committee. On the issue of misleading the House then, there are only two mechanisms by which the Prime Minister and Rishi Sunak Could be held to account. The first is that there's a straightforward vote in the House of Commons itself and the second, which seems to be being discussed at the moment, is that the issue is referred to the Privileges Committee to carry out an investigation. Either of these two routes could be used to find both Boris Johnson and Rishi Sunak in contempt of the House for misleading the House about the events in Downing Street. But what would it mean to be found in contempt of the House? Unfortunately, the answer is not much. The last time there were any serious consequences was in 1880, when Charles Bradlaugh MP, a Liberal, was briefly found in contempt of the House and imprisoned in the clock tower of Big Ben. In 1963, the former Cabinet Minister and MP, John Profumo, was found to have been in gross contempt of the House for lying to it about the affair he was having with Christine Keeler. But he'd already resigned, so there was no real consequences for him. In 2018, Theresa May's whole government was found in contempt of the House on a narrow vote for refusing to disclose legal advice about the Brexit negotiations. There were no consequences. And finally, in 2019, Dominic Cummings was found by the Privileges Committee to be in contempt of the House for refusing to give evidence to the DCMS Select Committee. Again, there were no consequences for this. So with an 80-seat majority, there's very little chance of the House of Commons or the Privileges Committee being allowed to hold Boris Johnson and Rishi Sunak to account And Boris Johnson obviously isn't going to hold himself to account under the terms of the Ministerial Code. But there are still two other places where Boris Johnson may be held to account. The first is the Metropolitan Police. They still have a number of parties, sorry, events to investigate and decide on in Downing Street, given that several of these involved the Prime Minister and were much more serious than the ones that he's already been found guilty for, it's highly likely that Boris Johnson can expect more fixed penalty notices in the near future. This may trigger some Conservative MPs into rethinking their position, especially if the local elections in May go very badly for the party. But for the longer term, it's the court of public opinion that really matters, and that seems to have made up its mind. All the polling evidence indicates that around three-quarters of people don't believe Boris Johnson about what happened in Downing Street during these Partygate events. They think they happened. Boris Johnson was at several of them, knew that they'd happened, knew that they broke the rules and then lied to Parliament and the people about it. Whether that has real impact on the voting intentions of people remains to be seen. And whether or not it leads to any real change in the checks and balances in our parliamentary democracy to make sure this sort of thing can never happen again also remains an open question.